Welcome to the WA Property Q&A, the podcast where I explore the ins and outs of buying property in Western Australia. I'm your host, Peter Fletcher, and each week I interview local property experts to help you to develop a deep understanding of the nuances of buying property in WA. From market trends to legal considerations, no topic is off limits. But before we dive in, a friendly reminder, while we provide valuable information, it's important to note that nothing discussed in this podcast should be construed as personal investment advice. Always remember to seek the appropriate professional advice for your specific circumstances. Now, let's get started and unlock the secrets to successful property buying in WA. Welcome. My guest today is none other than Michael Keel. Now, Michael Keel is a legend in Belmont, Rivervale, Kewdale, Redcliffe, Lathlane, Carlisle. Like he, he just dominates those areas and uh, he's been in real estate now since about 1990-something, about 30 years. Is that yep, right, Mike? Yep, that's right, Pete. Yep, 33 years, mate. 33, my God, how time flies. And has owned uh, real estate agencies, has, has operated at the highest level in WA property. And I would have to say Australian property for a long time. Like you, you've sold something like uh, what, 170 or something. The best year I did in real estate was 185 sales. So that was, um, that was manic. And, uh, and we had to list about 185. So every day of the year I was listing or selling something. So that, that is just a phenomenal number you know, most agents, I know when I was selling, you know, back in, you know, my prime, if I could sell one a week, like 50 a year was, was the number. And, you know, here you are selling three plus times that. That's a, you know, that's a staggeringly big number. Yep. No, and, and look, 50, um, I think any agent selling 50 properties a year, um, that puts them in the very good category. So, um, yeah, so it just gives you, yeah. uh, or that's how I sort of yeah, look at it. If, yeah. you, if you're doing one a week, you're a good agent. Yeah. yeah you're there's you're the, actually very good. There's the very good category and then there's the elite category, which is where, where you're at. Yeah. Yeah. I've and, always uh, tried to to be at the top of the game, mate. So, yeah. And, and I know, that, Mike, you, your phone is never off. Like, it's just, you, you, somebody can call you at any time, just about any time of the day or night, you would answer it or call, it, call them back. Yeah, it's, it's Friday today. It's my day off. And, um, yeah, there's been about four or five missed calls. So I've uh, quickly, uh, while I was getting ready to come here, my wife, <laughs> my wife was getting ready. And I then quickly ducked out the back and made two or three calls. Yeah. Just said, oh, look, it's my day off, but I just didn't, you know, I just want to get back to you. Can I talk to you on Saturday? So, yeah, I'm a bit of a, you know, that's what we do, mate. We've got to pick up the phone, pick up the phone. Um, it's uh, nine out of ten times. But, you know, there's business there for you. It's a customer service business, Mike. hundred percent. And uh, I, I've, um, you know, talked to a, a few agents and, you know, there's the good ones. Uh, like I, I called um, Chris Shallabear from over at uh, Shallabear's in, and I, I kind of, ha- I half expected that I would call him and, you know, he'd be a, sort of have this Western suburbs aloofness. And he literally called me back within minutes. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, and that's what the best agents do. And, uh, and you, you're the same. And I, I you know, some agents, you, you'll leave a message and they just don't call back. Yeah. It's, it's un, unreal. 
No, that's good. We, um, we love it when that happens. So, um, yeah. <laughs> Free kick, Michael Keel. Absolutely. Yeah. Speaking of which, you were, a, you were a bit of a jet footballer in your day. Oh, I wouldn't say that, Pete, but um, I was handy. So um, Michael Keel has always been modest. He's, he's very good, humble. Yeah, I was I was a handy footballer. I used to take a big big screamer. That was um, I was you know I wouldn't say f- well famous, but I was well known. Yeah, for every single game, I'd be on somebody's shoulders, just going for that that mark of the year. So um, <laughs> you know, I'd do it about five times, and eventually something would come off. I might get one a game. So um, so yeah, I hit the hit the dust plenty of times, but um. I know. Look, when when I it's funny. I was playing uh, Perth Colts, and um, I'd uh, go down and um, play footy, and then I'd suit up and go off and do home opens. And because you're only young, you're eighteen, nineteen, all your mates are thinking, "Oh, he's going to another funeral. Or he's going to a wedding this weekend." And um, but yeah, you know, I was, um, sort of sacrificed uh, footy uh, for my real estate career. But interestingly enough, I look at real estate as as my footy career. Like it's mm-hmm. so related, it's so competitive. So it's um, I love getting um, sales, which is like kicking a goal. I love making the calls, which is a possession. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, if you do those things, you know you'll you'll succeed. So I sort of go to work on a Saturday, put my uh, suit on, mm-hmm. and it's like me putting on my footy jumper ready to run out and um you know if you who who didn't love playing footy mm. who you know i look at that as who doesn't love selling real estate when i've now re-engineered my mind to make it a game that real estate's football mm. so that's the simple analogy i've just um and i just love footy and i love real estate and you also love systems don't you I'm a systems man, mate. You know that, and so are you. You're a big systems man. So, um, look, I love um, using technology. Um, we've got a very big buyer database now of about seven thousand buyers that I've collected. That's a decent number. Yeah. So, and um, I make the promise to everybody that when I list something, they'll get notified. And yeah, we had a property the other day in Qdale. Uh, the people didn't want to put it online. We just did a SMS out to the database. 40 inquiries came back, nine inspections, sold it above what they wanted with no internet marketing and no for sale sign. Mm-hmm. So, um, so and, and within three or four days. So they were stoked and mm. um, they got the property that they wanted because it's like a subject sale, which is near on impossible to do in today's market, mm. you know, with um, uh, so many cash and finance buyers around. Mm. Um, so with that in mind, if someone came to you and said, "Look, I, I've got let's say five fifty to spend. I want an older style home with a, you know, on six hundred plus square meters with a shed," is that something that you can source off market for people? Um, look, it's or pre-market. It's very difficult in this market. Most people are wanting to take it to market. So mm. if somebody says to me they want to do off market. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm all, all over it like any other agent would be. Mm. But most people want to invest the three and a half grand to do a marketing campaign uh, to, you know, extract the very best price because the best price comes in competition, not isolation. So basically, um, yeah, very few off-market opportunities out there at the moment, I'm finding. Um, most people wanting to do a full campaign, to do an online auction or a expressions of interest campaign. And then, you know, um, we, we had one just in Carlisle on the weekend. It was meant to go to auction and uh, opened it on Saturday at 10am. And then I had uh, eight uh, bids in the 
back end of this platform on the open negotiation. And uh, we didn't ex- uh, process seven of the bids, but one of the uh, bids were, was exceptional. And mm-hmm. the owner said, uh, we were happy to do a deal and not take it to auction. So um, yeah, so they did very well, but there was still that competition of eight, you know, or there's seven other buyers wanting that property. And it sold well above my expectations. I thought it'd be sort of six fifty to seven hundred max, and we got seven twenty. Mm. Not unusual in this market. No, correct. Mm. So the barbecue question is always when when you say you know people say, well, what do you do for a living, Mike? And you say real estate. And the barbecue question is, oh, how's the market? Yeah. And what's your what's your response? Oh, look, it's funny. Um, the uh, I don't know, a lot of people don't even ask me at the barbie, <laughs> you know, um, I think they're just, um, you know, making sure that I don't burn their steaks, you know, so, um, <laughs> but look, if they do, look, the, the market right now is sensational. Uh, it's the best way to describe it. It's, um, and sensational if you're a seller, uh, terrible if you're a buyer, so, and terrible if you're a renter, you know, so... Yeah, you've got to sort of, if that question does come up, it's sort of like, well, what are you, what are you interested in to know about the market? Because mm-hmm. again, it's sensational if you're a seller and terrible if you're a renter. So you've got to qualify what they mean by that mm. and then, um, then, you know, answer it. So, but yeah, um, seller's market. And um, uh, I think this year uh, we're tracking for the calendar year to sell a hundred plus properties. That's, that's just me on my own with an admin PA. Mm-hmm. So that's, um, and that's, that's pretty exceptional. Um, when I did that, um, 185 sales, I actually had a team of, um, another three people. So yeah. to sort of be doing a hundred with an admin PA, it's mm. sort of like, kick, like, it's like back to doing 185, you know, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, it does. Yeah. It's you know, what, what you're doing is, is like really high end performance in sales. Yeah. Like you. And the funny thing is that, um, so I, we've just done a, a deal together. Yes. Um, thank you for Mike, that. for the buyer. Yeah. Thank Great you. deal for everyone. So. Yeah. yeah. Oh, look, I, I think everyone is very happy with that. Um, you know, there's, there's a win all around. But what I noticed about your style, Mike, is that there was no sales pitch. Uh, I heard you on the phone to, uh, to uh, one of one of the people that had inquired about it and you were on the, on a video call with them, showing them around the unit. And it was just a simple, well, here's what's here. And, uh, you just explained it to them. And then you, I overheard you starting to talk about horse racing and oh, yes. <laughs> all sorts of other stuff that was just, is relationships a really key thing to you? Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. I just love people, you know, and, and I'm uh, always fascinated about what people are interested in. And yeah, we, I always find common ground. So whether it be the sports or. But some people find common ground as a, as a strategy. It it doesn't strike me that you do that. It's, it's, you know, you, you seem to be, well, you you actually genuinely want to like, you're interested in, oh, you want to talk about horse racing? Cool. You want to talk about shares? Well, yeah, let's talk about shares and football, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. And you know, it's funny um, that you actually picked that up in that conversation because after I'd finished that appointment with you and and that um, Zoom or uh, FaceTime uh, tour, I then texted them the tips that I got 
from one of my mates earlier in the day. Yeah. So, um, you know, said, oh, here's some tips. Uh, good luck, you know. So, um, so yeah. So <laughs> That's, that's so, unique. So, yeah, yeah, we went from selling a unit to giving them horse tips. So, um, but anyway. Um, <laughs> and did the tips work? Did I, the look, tips come I, off? I didn't check. I was just too busy. But I thought somebody sent these to me, so I might as well pass them on to someone else, you know, that's going to use them. So, um so yeah, so no, but look, uh, I think that's the secret to it all is if you don't like people, you know, um, then you shouldn't be in real estate, you know, and if, uh, you know, and, and I like helping people and, um, and yeah, I've just, uh, whether it be like even sending them a tip, you know, that might have mm. lost the money, but I was, you know, doing it in good, <laughs> good, you know, good That's probably spirit. why they didn't buy the unit, Mike, it, uh, because mate, they lost their, their deposit that afternoon. Po- possibly. <laughs> <laughs> good, good work. Geez, possibly. I didn't think it. <laughs> just I, ruined yeah, their yeah, life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, Michael Keel. <laughs> so I, I described before the suburbs that you work, you know, so – Belmont, Rivervale, Hewdale, Carlisle, yes. um, you know, like Redcliffe. Those suburbs, they're pretty hot right now, right? Yeah, it's interesting because they've underperformed. And when I say underperformed, uh, I'm going to say I'm going to exclude Lathlane and Carlisle. And when I say that, the properties like uh, suburbs like Belmont, Cloverdale, Cudale, Redcliffe, and we'll leave Rivervale out as well because um, that's sort of um, – but those uh, suburbs, believe it or not, they just got back to where they were in 2014. Mm. So most suburbs in Perth, inner city Perth, are well in excess of their 2014 levels. You know, mm-hmm. Vic Park, Kensington, Lathlane, you know, they're mm-hmm. sort of, um, you know, really moving into new territory. But you look at Belmont and Cloverdale, just to um, be at that level, it, it suggests to me that they've underperformed in the market, but I reckon that's the opportunity. If you're an investor now and people have rushed out to the end of the freeway, they've, um, you know, buying yeah, out Bell there, Divers, yeah, yeah, buying yeah, stuff yeah. like mm. 600, 650, mm. and you can, you know, buy stuff like that in Belmont, Cloverdale. So I just think, um, the markets um, misread the opportunity. So, so on that, um, that's certainly what the stats say. That you know, that realistically, we're we're only we've had ten years of no growth, yep. let's say, uh, in those suburbs. But what's the lived experience? Because I, I suspect that people who own a house in in Kewdale, they've seen some pretty strong capital growth across that time. But there might be like, but as a suburb, it's it, it hasn't gone anywhere. I wonder whether it's the makeup of sales that has, has caused the the number to stay flat, rather than that individual properties have actually performed pretty well. Yeah, look, I, I being on the ground, I definitely believe that it's um it it, it copped the double whammy. Um, mm-hmm. So in two thousand and fourteen, obviously you had the mining boom uh, came off. Okay. Mm. Just prior to uh, that period, they'd also uh, rezoned the area. So when they rezoned the area, a lot of the suburbs got a sort of um, a boost in value. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. and then they had the, the mining boom came off. Mm-hmm. And because it's an area, it's a, traditionally a working class area, 
and you've got a lot of fly-in, fly-out workers, mate, they lost their jobs and mm. they're not holding on to their property because lots of them came from New Zealand, the East Coast, and they just said, oh, well, I've lost my job here. I've got to sell the house. So there was like this extra selling pressure. You know, in real estate, I always think it's more, it's always supply and demand. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that sort of caused, an, you know, a double whammy where the market went down, but then you had all these FIFO workers, you know, lose their jobs and they left. Um, so it's sort of like extra selling. Um, so it just, it, it, it took a hit, but it's, it's coming back strong now. Mm. I reckon the next 12 months is the opportunity, believe it or not, in yeah. the yeah. suburbs. Yeah. So, so of those suburbs, which ones do you think are, are primed for a real like spike in growth if, if one is going to happen? Yeah, look, I really think Redcliffe is flying under the radar. Mm-hmm. So um, that's up 12, uh, sorry, up 6% in the last 12 months. Mm-hmm. But you've got the new Redcliffe train station there, the big business park that they've got planned at the domestic airport because they're going to move the domestic airport um, across to the international They've just, you know, got um, Costco's there and a new 24-7 Woolworths. Um, like mm. that area, to me, has got huge potential. Yes. And the medium house price is sitting sort of around that 550 mark. So 550, less than 10 k's from the city, mm. Riverside suburb. You've got mm. Ascot very close by, which mm. is quite, you know, that's the most expensive um, suburb in the Belmont district new rail infrastructure, like billion-dollar project, and it's hardly gone up in value. Mm. Like, man, something's wrong there. Suffered a bit from a fair bit of homes west in the area, would you say? Oh, look, I don't think it's that bad. Um, Mm. You know, so, but yeah, there there is a bit of a stigma. Mm. But, you know, homes west have been selling up. Um, They did that, uh, you know, two, three years ago. Obviously, they're not selling anything now. And we should say not um, Department of Communities now. So, um, mm-hmm. uh, but look, you know, as the, um, we, we're seeing a bit of a transition from the blue collar worker to the white collar worker, so more professional people moving into the area. So, and I think when they move into the area, then, you know, they're coming with um, sometimes, you know, more pay, doing more improvements to the property, maybe better educated, you know, the schools start improving. And then suddenly these areas sort of, you know, go through this transformation. Mm. Is there, is there, sorry to interrupt, is there, is there an Indian indication of some gentrification of, of Redcliffe? Let's say Redcliffe and Cloverdale? Oh, look. It's definitely changing, yeah. um, maybe not as fast as we would like, but it's definitely changing, yeah. Mm, mm. You've got so many different um, cultures, you know, in the area, you know, um, a lot of people that want to be close to the city. Probably the thing that might hold the values back there is it's, you know, they're sort of um, near the airport, so you do mm. have the aircraft noise pollution so yeah. you've got to sort of live with that and there's parts of Redcliffe that are affected by that 100 that, that secondary uh, um what is it secondary runway 100 percent. yeah so um yeah so the, so th- that would be if there was something that was sort of maybe holding back the values yeah it wouldn't be the department of communities in my view or public housing yeah it's probably more the airport yes um mm. but especially it, that close to the airport because like once once you're into Redcliffe, the planes are at that point. I know Lathlane is f- impacted by it. Yeah, on the easterly, uh, they come yeah, in. And same yeah, they, in Kensington now, they sort of pivot uh, pivot right yeah. on my house yeah, yeah, on yeah. the uh, on the yeah. easterly runway. 
Yeah, so, yeah, um, yeah. If you're if you're into planes, it's great, and if you're not not into planes, you're sort of like. Can we afford the western suburbs where nothing happens? Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, the Red Cliff is is definitely impacted, and it's not something that's going to go away anytime soon. Yeah, correct. And like the thing as well with these areas, like when you look at some of the median prices, like five fifty for Red Cliff or just over Cloverdale's around that five fifty, Cudale six hundred, Belmont six oh seven, like. They're such good rental areas because the industry around there, you've got the biggest employer outside of the Perth CBD, which is the Crown. So that's close by. People Mm -hmm. want to be near that. Mm -hmm. You've got the airport with all the workers there. Then you've got all the industrial through Belmont, all the freight um, through Kudal, Welshpool. Like it is for, it's an investor's dream because you can rent it out, get a 5% return. Mm on your purchase price in these suburbs and, um, you know, that's pretty good and you've got the growth because you are close to the capital, um, you know, the CBD. Um, so I just did a pre-settlement inspection recently on a on a three-by-two that, uh, I think it was three-by-two, small place built in the 1990s, well, well looked after, uh, managed by Dean Nicolo yes. um, from the professionals in Vic Park and uh, obviously managed it pretty well. Um and I spoke to the, the the buyer, and they were bloody excited about it because they'd, uh, you know, they said, "Well, it's within eleven kilometres of the city, and it's this, that, and the other thing." And and they they were basically comparing it with what they could have bought in Sydney for five hundred and fifteen thousand. And they just go, "Why would you not buy in Perth?" And and the returns that they were going to get off it were, like they'd already been offered. Um, maybe six hundred and something a week for it, like something crazy. Yeah, yeah, they, they were really excited about it. Mm. And it's funny you mention about the Eastern States people. So now you sort of asked me of what what are some of the good suburbs? Um, Rivervale is going through a massive change. The Eastern States buyers just love that area. Yeah, five six k's from the CBD, mm. mm-hmm. medium house price hovering around six fifty. You know, great rent return right near the stadium, next to the, you know, uh, Lath Lane, which is going to be your first million-dollar suburb in these areas. Probably Lath Lane, um, just FYI, um, is actually going to be the first suburb to hit a million-dollar medium house price, even quicker than Vic Park and East Vic Park. So you mm. heard it first here. There we go. So there um, we go. I'm, I'm happy about that as a resident of Lathlane. And I'm that's calling it um, a million-dollar suburb within the next mm. 18 months. Mm. So that's um, And currently a medium sitting about 875. So it's a big, big call. Mm-hmm. But that's where um, that's going. Everything I'm selling in there is you need a million bucks to buy in Lathlane now. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you've set some amazing records in Lathlane. I, I, we came to that home open that two-story place with the pool yes. uh, on on Gallipoli, and Gallipoli's a bit of a bit of a race track at times. Well, it's not because there's so many speed bumps in it, but there was a, a ton of people, and uh, you got some amazing uh, one point four four or something. Uh, it was or one point four one, but it was one point four one two hundred and ten thousand dollars over the reserve. That was one of the properties I should have put in a bonus and said, look, for every thousand dollars <laughs> I get you over the reserve. I would like twenty percent, you know, yeah, just um, that yeah. could have probably retired on that one. So. Yeah, yeah, that's a that was a really good result, uh, but a great house. One of the 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 
enduring critiques or, or criticisms I see of real estate agents, so, or I hear it from buyers and I see it from uh, online, you know, Facebook groups where they just love piling on real estate agents, is, well, would it be so hard to get a price guide that is actually accurate? And what's your response to that? Oh, look, uh, obviously when I do a lot of um, auction campaigns, I try and give an accurate you know, price guide. So mm. this one that we I mentioned on, um, in Carlisle, so we didn't set a reserve on that, but the reserve would have been around 650 uh, mm. you know, mm. based on what the owners had sort of told me. But we, didn't, we, we don't set a reserve or I don't set a reserve till the day of the auction. Okay. Mm. Um, so on that particular property, I'm quoting to buyers, we expect bids to start above 599. Mm-hmm. So I'm sort of being, you know, as accurate as I can, close to where I think the property's going to sell, mm-hmm. where the buyer's expectations are. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it went for 720,000. It actually far exceeded my expectations. And it is very hard to get a gauge on some properties in this market, Mike. Yeah, 100%. You know, it's, it's, uh, even that one that, we, that I, I bought for my client just recently in, in Tanunda, it, there wasn't a lot of sales evidence of that kind of unit. Correct. And, and it was so, it was pretty unique. And um, yeah, it was just like, well, how, what, what's, what's this place worth? And it's worth whatever the buyers are, are willing to, to pay, which is like an age old truism. Yep. It's no comfort to buyers, but it's like, if you want it, you, you pay for it. Yeah. And, and look, I just think um, like sometimes there's uh, a lot of properties now are advertised without a price, um, which is frustrating for a lot of buyers. Mm. So, and what's even more frustrating is when they call the agent, the agent goes, oh, well, look, we're just looking at offers we, and, and can't yeah. even give a price guideline. Yeah. Which is, is ridiculous. I, I, yeah, I think that's a real, that, that is a cop-out. Surely you've got at least a broad, like, you know, a broad range to, to play in or an offers over number. It's just give me something that is going to either exclude it or include it. Yep. Yeah. Give me something to work with. Yeah, you just, you know, you give every, every property I've got that's an auction, we, we always give people a guide, you know. So, um, and I sort, of, so I sort of say, yep, I expect bidding to be above this, you know. And look, you, you know, you tell buyers that as well. You know, you might go, oh, yeah, I expect bidding above you know, I had one in Rivervale we just sold recently for $1.3 million. And the, you know, we expected um, bidding to be in the million, you know, mm-hmm. so that's in, in the low ones, you know, that's yeah. how we um, put it. Yeah, yeah. As soon as I said that, uh, the first bid I got was eight fifty. <laughs> I was like, oh, they mustn't have heard me. <laughs> like, I, yeah, definitely. No, I'm well, pretty sure yeah. I said low ones. Yeah. So, um yeah, and then you know, so we didn't approve that bid. We didn't. We just thought that was too low, too, because yeah. we didn't want to sort of approve it and then advertise a property we expect to sell yeah, the low yeah, ones yeah. from eight fifty. You know, yeah, or current bit, bid eight fifty. Silly. Somebody, somebody has clearly misread the market there. Hundred uh, percent. So, um, and um, yeah. So anyway, the first bid I think we got was just in above in the nines, so it's still mm. way lower than where I wanted to even be starting. But mm-hmm. you know, the buyers are the buy the buyers dictate the value, Pete, not mm-hmm. not the real estate agents. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. And you ended up at one point 
1.3 on that 1. one. 1.3, yeah. yeah. Got yeah. Um, uh, crazy. And, um, so there's, there's 300 from 30% difference between what one person thought was value and what the final person thought was value. Yeah, mm. absolutely. Mm. So I was talking to Jamie Harrington from Hub. You, yeah, you know, no, Jamie, Jamie? Yeah, yeah uh, Western suburbs. And he says that it, it is common for the, the highest bidder and the second highest bidder for there to be a 10% difference in, in those bids or offer prices. Yeah. Is that, would that be your experience as well? Would you have that bigger range? So, you know, in, in that case. From the in, highest bidder to the lowest bidder? No, from the highest bidder to the second highest bidder. Well, with the, uh, so a lot of my uh, auctions, we do like a timed um, auction. So they. So you wouldn't see this in, in auctions? Yes. Because of obviously. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah so it, yeah, private treaty. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, so then um, he's, he's obviously doing a lot of expressions of interest yes. possibly. Mm. So, and then um, people putting in their offers and they're blind. Mm. So I had another one in Laughlane that springs to mind and we had five offers on that. And uh, I think the lowest one was 980, the mm -hmm. highest was 1.1, mm -hmm. and then maybe uh, the next person was like maybe at a million and 80 or a million and 60, so there mm -hmm. was a bit of a gap, but mm -hmm. um, I mean, that was relatively close. So, um, but in his suburbs, you know, if he's dealing with two or three million dollars, yes, yes, you know, he's yeah. probably going to have a bit bigger gap. So, um, yeah. So Yeah, because people especially in those those more aspirational suburbs, shall we say, it's a matter of, well, we've got the money and do we want this home? And if we want this home, you just pay whatever you need to pay to get your name on the title. Yeah, absolutely. Yep, I'd have made he just bought in uh, Claremont and uh, he he's in real estate. So, um, you know, he knows his, knows his stuff. Just kept getting outbidded on mm. other things or better offers, and then the after three or four times of going through all the emotion, this is our home. He's got two young kids. Um, uh, they saw this one, and they just did not mess around. So they might have been mm. that, that sort of buyer that Jamie's talking about, who's just gone right. We're offering overs. We are not going to lose this home. Mm. So, um, so I reckon you know, and that and that happens, you know, obviously where I am, but we're not seeing, you know, a hundred grand gap, you know, it mm. might be a 20, 30, 40, 50 maybe. Yes, yes, yeah. So, Mike, you're, you had this mate who's looking at buying a property and, and missed out on a few. What would your advice be? Let's say he wasn't in real estate, therefore didn't, didn't have that sort of insider knowledge that we have. What sort of advice would you give to somebody that, you know, was as a friend, uh, wanted to buy a property, was sick, got sick of missing out, out on properties. What's your advice to them to get their name on a title? Yeah. Uh, look, I don't, just because you don't, like I don't do like a buyer agency role. So mm. I think um, that's where I'd probably go with it is I'd go, look, you need to engage somebody who can act and negotiate on your behalf if you're not experienced in this and you keep missing out. Mm. So I deal with a lot of fly-in, fly-out people because, again, they want to buy near the airport. Mm. And um, I had a lady the other day and she goes, oh, every time I ring on something, it's, you know, under offer and I'm not here. And, mm -hmm. and then I said, you need a buyer agent, mm -hmm. you know, so who can make and pull the trigger and negotiate for you mm. while you're up on site. So mm -hmm. 
And I know over in the eastern states, because we've you know, got our big agency over there, mm. mate, they use buyer agents on just everything. everything. Yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. Just, it's, it's just commonplace. Yeah, it's it's yeah. normal. Mm. You know, so, mm. um, yeah, WA, uh, you know, that means uh, wait a while. So um, we will get there, Pete, where people will just, if they're looking to buy, they're going to mm. start employing buyer agents to do all the, all the mm. legwork for them. So let, let's say people that can't afford or don't want to employ a buyer's agent, in terms of the offers that get accepted, that, that you get accepted, the common things that I hear is tighten your finance clause up. Yeah. That's number one. Yeah. Decent sized deposit. Make the settlement date work for the seller, not for you. Yeah. That's common advice? A hundred percent. Yeah. So any, anybody buying now, if you don't have a pre-approval or uh, you can't let your uh, agent speak to the broker, mm. your broker, to mm. verify your financial position, yeah. you're sort of on the back foot. So yeah. Um, yeah, so you've got you to gotta be entering the market. You've got to be organised. Those pre-approvals, they're just so valuable. Absolutely. Mm. And, and like I, I get an offer um, with a pre-approval and one without, you know, it goes to the top of the, the pile. So, yeah. Um, you know, um, yeah, so... And again, you know, if you can, uh, like the deal we've just done, mm. you know, the lady's jumping on a plane and she's out of here in 21 days and you've come with a contract that can... Solve a few problems, yeah, shall we say. and, and mm. then, you know, um, she's had all the furniture in the place. Mm-hmm. Beautiful furniture, mind you, mm. but it's going to be a hassle for her to get rid of it, that when she's jumping on a plane for health reasons. Mm-hmm. So you said, Mike, we can, we'll, we'll take that, you know, um, right down to the cutlery and then, you know, you've just solved another problem. So we're less likely then to go chase another person or promote it. You, you've come up with a solution. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so understanding what the seller wants and then um, meeting their what they, what they want is going to put you also in that, you know, um, in the driver's seat. Mm-hmm. So where's the market going from here, Mike? Um, it's only going up, Pete, unfortunately, um, which a lot of people won't want to hear that, mm. but it's just purely a supply and demand, you know, scenario. What about to those people who say, but interest rates are going to go up? Like there's people expecting interest rates to go up again on, uh, at Melbourne Cup, but, um, you know, and while interest rates are going to go up, mortgage cliff, all that sort of stuff, what, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, look, there's definitely going to be uh, people who are, you know, really feeling it at the moment with not only interest rates, but the cost of living. Like cost of living is probably, believe it or not, that's like another <laughs> yeah. five interest rate rises yes, on, yes, um, true. that, that just, mm. you know, haven't come through as an interest rate, but it's, um, you know, so look, it's definitely tough out there. We're certainly seeing um, a lot of stress in the way of you know, people who are paying, say, rent, you know, um, you know, are struggling. And um, then there's people who have bought on a 2%, you know, interest rate and mm. they're coming to the end. And, and I had just had an investor the other day who um, said, Mike, we, we're going to have to sell. You know, we... Um, really? Yeah, we got on in on 2%. We thought this was the way to go. And so we've, we've put their property on the market. We've sold it. Okay. Um, they picked up 100k from when they purchased it, you know, two years ago. But they just, um, they got a young family um, mm. and the high interest rates um, was just going to make them not sleep at night. So I guess it's sort of then, you know, there's a shortage of stock. So now is a great time for them to exit, still make some money and somebody else's, you know, t- um, you know purchased a home and 
everyone's happy. So, mm-hmm. so you're always going to be, you know, at any given time in the market, there's always going to be people who need to sell, you know, um, and then, but there's, there's plenty of buyers to, to help them. So, and because of that, I think the, you know, my view about a year ago when interest rates were going up, I'm, I'm going, yeah, the market's going to come down. You know, that's my, that was my yep. view. And uh, I think all the experts were saying the same. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, because, you know, it's just, that's how it's been. But then the government come in and say, oh, yeah, we're going to bring in, you know, 400,000 migrants, you know, to, you know, yep. and, yep. you know, interest rates can go up another 2 or 3% and it's going to make no difference if mm. you're bringing in, you know, 400,000 people to live here and there's mm. not enough housing to even accommodate the people that are already here. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just... You know, so that's the that was the sort of unknown that you know yeah. none of us sort of knew about. Mm. I think you'd see a different market right now with interest rates higher if you know they didn't uh, pull the trigger and and let all the migrants come in. Yeah, this migration thing is just uh, obviously these the people that are in power see something that I'm not seeing because uh, I just <laughs> I do not understand it. Yeah. Um, where we're housing these people and the the stress that it's causing on on the rental stock and people that are renting, I I just don't know what they're thinking. But Mate, it's going to cost out of my pay grade. It's going to cost Labor at the next election. Mark my words. There's another thing you can well, well. you can pretty much bet <laughs> uh, on, I reckon. So um, you know, yeah. Labor are very much um, working class, looking after the working class, and they're the they're the ones that are really feeling it at the moment with the um, mortgages. The, the rents, you know. Yeah, it's sort of, it, it seems like their policy settings are almost hurting the very people that they're trying to look after. 100%. And that's mm. why I think um, Labor are gone, it's gone ski in the next mm. um, election, mate. Mm. Well, we won't get too political. No, 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 of course, of but, course. Um, I just want to uh, circle back to Redcliffe. Yes. Because I've got a little bit of a, a, a vested interest here. My nephew is looking. To, to enter the market, he's uh, gets goes from being excited to uh, to be buying his first home to uh, you know absolutely you know having a lot of anxiety a- around it. What can somebody buy in Redcliffe for in the mid fives? So you were talking about Dean Nicolo the other day, yep. um, or just mm. actually this yeah, yeah. now. Um, so Dean just sold a nice little three by two villa. It's a bit dated, mm. street front. Mm. Top end Redcliffe in Smith Street. That's the one I was talking oh, about. <laughs> well, that went for about four ninety or something. It was. I, I think five fifteen. I think 15, it was. Mate, that was a buy. Like yeah. that's the sort of thing your nephew, if he could buy that. Yes. Mate, that would be a good little start for him in that yes. location. So, um, yeah. So you already know, mate, what's a good buy. So, um. You know. Yeah. Right. Okay. So you you would have thought that's a that's a good buy. So the the they were Eastern States buyers. Yep. Um, so they're hundred percent. They, they should be happy with that little villa. No strata fees. It was a, it's more like a strata home on a corner. You know. Yeah, yeah. Three, I can remember. You know, and this going back now, showing my age, mate. I can remember when they were built because I used yes. to own a property in that street, mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. I bought for sixty thousand and I sold for about one twenty, thinking I was clever. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, now it'd be like six hundred fifty, <laughs> seven hundred thousand. I think of some of the properties I've bought over yeah. the time, uh, bought and sold over the time, Mike, and I think. Uh, well, if I had have hang, hung on to those four, yeah, my, 
balance sheet would be very different today. 100%, mate. So, um, <laughs> But as my uncle used to say, if you haven't made a mistake, you haven't made anything. Yeah, correct. And look, mate, you only need one house to live in. And, um, you know, I certainly know a lot of people who, and I've been in, in this myself, where you've had, like at one time I had 10 investment properties. Mm. And, mate, um, you know, all the rates coming in, um, <laughs> uh, you know, every, t- every, every, every time there was the a tenant doing something wrong to one of my homes or somebody not paying the rent. So it can be stressful being an investor too. You know, it's, um, you know so they deserve, you know, if they can hold and, and grind out you know, uh, in the long term, then they deserve the rewards. Mm. A lot of people can't grind out, you know, and, and let's face it, if you're buying an investment, you're buying for the long term, you know. Mm. And, and I always say, um, I do sell a lot of properties to Asian people, mm. uh, clients, I should say. And um, every time I sell that property, I get really sad because I know I'm never going to see it come back. Because <laughs> they have a long-term view, yes. Their kids, and, yeah, yeah. you know, so, um, but, you know, if it's Australian couple, man, we, we're moving every five, six, seven years if, yeah. or even, you know, turning them over quicker. Re- real estate is a hobby for, for Australians. Absolutely. Yeah. Mike, this has been uh, terrific. Uh, I've, I've loved your insights, uh, as I always do. You know, you're like, when I need to talk to somebody over in Rivervale, as you know, I call you up and pick your brains and I, uh, you know, I thank you for doing that, being the re- that resource for me and also for coming on and being a resource for, I hope, other people. And I'm sure there'll be people that will want to, uh, you know, reach out and and uh, ask you questions. How would somebody go about doing that? Uh, so best to contact me on my mobile, which is 0412-255-838. So um, they can call me there or email michael at michaelkeel, K-E-I-L.com. So michael at michaelkeel.com. But Pete, before we go, mate, I want to acknowledge you because um, you've been around just as long as I have. I think you've been in the game 33 years as well. Uh, since 85. Wow, mate, yeah. Yeah. 38 Eight. years, yeah. unbelievable. But in my time, like I always, um, uh, when I first started, I thought, you know, who's this Pete Fletcher? He's um, run, you know, running the professionals way back then. Um, mm. And uh, may, maybe it was Keon Thorogood or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it was back in there. Yeah. And, mate, yeah. I just said, oh, I want to be like these guys, you know. <laughs> so um, but you uh, provided me a lot of inspiration early in my career. Thanks, and um, And you're also a very good, genuine bloke. So, um, uh, so yeah, I've, um, and we've done a lot of business together, not only with um, – mm you know, real estate, but settlements as well. Mm. So, um, no, mate, I, um, and also, um, was, had the privilege to come to your 60th birthday and, and <laughs> mate, I can't believe you're 60. I didn't think you were, you know, that age, mate, you only look uh, like you're 50. Uh, so, yeah, but, Jesus. um, so no, mate, uh, <laughs> it's, it's been good, um, good relationship over the years yeah. and, um, yeah. And thanks for, uh, inviting me on today. It's been a pleasure. Oh, awesome. All right. So that's all we have time for today. Until next week, enjoy happy house hunting. And that wraps up another episode of the WA Property Q&A. We hope you found our discussion valuable and gained some valuable insights into the world of property buying in Western Australia. Remember, while we strive to provide useful information, it's crucial to consult with the appropriate professionals before making any investment decisions. Don't forget to tune in next week for another exciting episode where we continue to unravel the mysteries 
of the WA property market. If you have any questions or topic suggestions, feel free to reach out to us. Until then, happy property hunting and remember to seek the right advice for your personal circumstances. Thank you for listening. Thank you.